0: The Tom Woods Show, episode 1623. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, if you're considering homeschooling, you know I recommend the self-taught Ron Paul curriculum, for which I created 400 videos. It's an excellent education in all the standard subjects, plus personal finance for teens, how to be an effective public speaker, how to run a home business, the kinds of things nobody teaches, but they darn well should. Not to mention it's self-taught, so you get your sanity back as a parent. Make sure you join at my special link because only there do you get my $160 worth of free bonuses you can't get anywhere else. Check it out at ronpaulhomeschool.com. Hi, everybody. Tom Woods here. Doug Casey is back with us again. I had a request for him in the Supporting Listeners group. you got to be in that group, supportinglisteners.com. If you enjoy the Tom Wood Show and you're not in there, man, that is just an oversight that's gonna haunt you till your dying day. So head over to supportinglisteners.com. I took that advice. I thought, yeah, why haven't I had Doug back on? Doug, of course, is a famed investor, to put it mildly. His book, Crisis Investing, spent 29 weeks at the number one spot on the New York Times bestseller list. He's written many other books since then. He's also the founder of Casey Research, where you can find uh, more analysis by Doug and his team of what the heck is going on in the world and what you should do to protect yourself and get ahead.
1: Doug, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. I'm um, speaking to you at the moment from sunny Uruguay,
0: for what it's worth. For what it's worth, indeed. Well, technology brings us together. Now, I know that, because I've read so many interviews you've given, I've read a lot of your stuff over the years, that I can talk to you about just about anything, and yet for some reason, I just think you're my the world is going to hell in a handbasket guy. <laughs> like you know, when when something like this virus is going around, I think I wonder what's going through Doug Casey's head about this. So mm. I I have some specific questions, but maybe let's see. We're recording this on uh, let's see what the date is March thirtieth. 2020, and it'll be released March 31st, 2020. So can you tell me just what are your overall impressions of what's happening in the world right now as of today?
1: Well, perhaps we're reaching the grand climax of a uh, downhill run that Western civilization's been on since the start of World War I. Uh, Technology has continued to advance and even accelerate at the rate of Moore's law But all the things that make for a for a civilization actually have been deteriorating for that period of time. So, but this isn't a discussion we're going to have about long-term historical trends. Let me put it this way, Tom: the financial crisis that started in 2008. View it as uh, entering the um, leading edge of a gigantic hurricane, and we went through that leading edge and. um, the recall it was quite scary and unpleasant in 2008 and 9 and 10. And we've been in the eye of the storm since then, big hurricane, uh, big eye. But now we're entering the trailing edge of the storm, and it's going to be much longer lasting and much worse and much different than what we had back in 2008, and 9, and 10. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry that this is all going to be blamed on the current coronavirus hysteria, however, because that's just the accidental pin that broke the bubble. But um, I'm sure that this economic disaster that we're facing, financial disaster, economic disaster, political disaster, that's still on the cards, uh, is going to be blamed on on this random disease uh, as opposed to the fundamentals which are really causing it.
0: But okay, let me jump in though there because somebody could legitimately say this is not some small matter. I mean, they're they're shutting down huge parts of the economy. They're arbitrarily deciding what's essential, what's non-essential. And just while you and I have been talking, I just got a text from a friend of mine who has an extremely successful bu- uh, business. I mean, f- just making money hand over fist. And he says, uh, I had to lay off 27 people last week, gave a 30% pay cut to my remaining staff, more layoffs ahead. It's been painful. He wasn't going to do that if it hadn't been for what's going on.
1: Right. What I'm saying is this that the last, look, over the last generation, we've had lots of, um, of virus scares. We had swine flu, we had bird flu, and there were several others, okay? So a few hundred or a few thousand people die, unfortunate, but that's the nature of life on this planet. I, I think it's wiser to go back to um the last major pandemic, or perhaps the first major pandemic in, in the modern world, which was um uh, the Spanish flu of 1918 and 1919. Now, Adjusted for population, uh, well, about 600,000 Americans died due to that. In today's terms, larger population, it would take about 1.8 million people to die. But still, as much of a disaster as it was, they didn't close down the economy. And there was a, a recession because it was the end of the war. There were all kinds of distortions due to the war that had to be unwound. And life went on. And that's what should happen now, because we're not in a, a chaotic post-war war post-war environment now. So this is actually quite insane. This hysteria that's going on. Uh, my understanding is that the coronavirus, and, and of course, everybody's got an opinion uh, on, on this based on almost nothing. But even people that are epidemiologists and virologists, people that know about this type of thing. Uh, it's hard to get really straight answers. It appears that this virus is only dangerous to direct contact of people that are well over 60 or 70 or 80 and are in bad health anyway. That's who's dying. That's that's who's dying in Italy, for instance. It's just old people that are on death's door anyway. So this is, my view is it's a gigantic hysteria. This is the biggest hysteria, Tom, since the uh, the witch hysteria of the 17th century. Nothing comparable to it. Well, I don't want
0: to make the episode entirely about the the virus itself. I've been talking about that and writing about that, trying to get to the bottom of it. As, As you say, it's hard to really figure out what's going on. And then meanwhile, there are so many different examples of places where, I mean, look, how do you account for the fact that it's so much deadlier in Italy than it is in Germany? I mean, either... The the Italians and the Germans are, you know, they're they're different, but they're not that different. And it seems to me either they're recording the deaths differently in terms of what qualifies as a death from the virus. Something is screwy here. I mean that the the death rate would be so dramatically different. And then you have cases like Sweden, which despite – overwhelming international pressure to shut down and do this and that, lock the country down like they've done in Den- in Denmark and Norway. They refuse to do it. They've taken some precautions, but they refuse to do it. They're having what seem to be comparable results. It's way too early to say, but they haven't done these things. And I personally think that the reason there's so much pressure being placed on them is that the, the, the so-called public health people locking all these countries down, they don't want there to be a control group that we can compare they want it just to be, we shut everything down and that's what saved you, stupid rubes. That's my,
1: that's my view of it. A, a very reasonable possibility uh, because it's all over the, um, it's all over the landscape uh, as far as what these stupid governments are doing. Uh, like in Nicaragua, uh, a backward third world country, they're purposefully not doing anything at all. But there's no huge outbreak. Japan, Korea, China itself, We don't really know. All we really know is what we hear in the news. And of course, I don't believe anything that I hear on the news. So I'll go back to what I said. This is the virus itself, serious, not very, or not serious. Uh, That's not important. These things come and go. What's important are the second and third generation effects from it, uh, the knock-on effects. People closing down their businesses, that's bad enough. And kind of stupid, I think, uh, that we should react the way we did during the Spanish flu thing 100 years ago. But much more important is what these governments are doing. They're passing new laws and new regulations, and, and they're going to put in new agencies, God knows what, that'll cause permanent distortions in the economy, and they won't go away after the virus goes away. And it will go away. That's the nature of these things.
0: I want to talk about money and investing, though, with you, because I want to know at a time like this, I want to know how Doug Casey thinks differently from other people. Like, what, what are you looking at? What kinds of questions are you asking? What are you curious about? What do you want to pursue?
1: Okay, well, let's look at the markets, uh, because um, we don't want to lose the capital that we have accumulated. So stock market, it's been in a bubble for the last five or six or seven years, with artificially inflated earnings, because corporations have been buying back trillions and trillions of dollars worth of their stock, hyping it higher. I guess so. Executives who are overpaid to start with can exercise their options. Uh, I wouldn't buy the stock market, not to say that it won't have a really good dead cat bounce with the with with this new wave of trillions of dollars. That um, all these governments, including the Trumpites, are printing up a lot of that's going to go right into the financial market. So I think the stock market likely has a long way to fall in real terms, but it, it'll probably have a good bounce in here. The bond market is the real problem. I wouldn't touch a bond with a 10-foot pole. Certainly not a government bond. It, it, it's it's actually insane that people are buying negative interest rate bonds. In Europe, because bonds are a triple threat to your capital today. They're a fantastic short sale if if you're daring enough to do that. Why Why are they a triple threat? Because first of all, there's the interest rate risk. Interest rates can only go up here for lots of reasons. Uh, Second, there's the currency risk. With these governments creating trillions and trillions of new currency units, the dollar is really going to lose value catastrophically. And the last is the default risk. Uh, all these governments are bankrupt. The banks are bankrupt. Uh, so, yeah, these bonds could all be defaulted on even before the, they're inflated out of existence. So the only cheap place to be to answer your question is the only thing cheap in the world today are commodities, which are another risk set. But basically, I've been buying gold for many years. I've been buying it every month. Gold is where you should be, and if you want to speculate, I think a fantastically good speculation now, cyclically, are gold stocks, crappy industry, horrible, horrible business. But uh, now these companies are coining money, and fund managers are going to pile into them. So I think we're looking we're looking at a gold bull market while the rest of this is what happened during the 1930s, which was deflationary. Anyway, I'm sorry to wrap on like this, Tom.
0: But. Well, I guess what I want to know is how you'd answer people who say, I've been down this gold is going to do great road before. I've heard this many times before. Then I buy gold and nothing happens.
1: Yeah, well, that's great. Look, I've been buying gold since, crap, well, actually, since 1971. So uh, the fact that it was $35 then, and like 1650 or 1600, whatever it is this morning, it's been okay. Uh, sometimes it's a great speculative vehicle, but it's for savings. It's for prudence. It's for insurance. It's because it's the only financial asset that's not simultaneously somebody else's liability. That's why you should buy gold. And, the, and the person that said that to you is probably the same kind of person that always buys stuff at the top because they hear it in the news. It draws their attention to it, usually after it's run up and it's established a good track record, which is absolutely the wrong reason to buy anything. (laughs) They buy at the top and it goes down and they're unhappy. So um, I'm not surprised. I think, by the
0: way, some people bought Bitcoin because it was in the news, because it seemed like – it. remember, I don't know if it was like a year and a half ago. It just seemed to be rising and rising and rising, and and it seemed like it was inexorable, that it would continue. And so people got into it who had never – three days ago, they had no idea what Bitcoin even was, and then suddenly they're
1: buying it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That bubble peaked in um, early January 2018, actually. Uh, I was a late adopter to Bitcoin couldn't figure out. And then I realized it's a transfer mechanism. That's the value, real value of Bitcoin. Um, It allows you to um, transfer money across borders without using banks, without using currencies. Uh, Most people don't realize that um, 75% of the people on this planet live in countries that have basically worthless currencies, block currencies like Pulas and quatches and dirhams, things that are worthless outside their own country. So, um, yeah, Bitcoin is going to continue growing because it is a currency that is not in the state system. So I got into it late. I did sell at the top. I'm better at selling at the top than anything else, I guess. But I think, I think it's okay to own. I'd buy Bitcoin because these currencies are going to be destroyed. These governments are going to destroy all the world's currencies, and we can talk about why that is. But listen, I couldn't be more gloomy about what's going to happen to the economy, Tom. Really, it's very, very serious what's going on, having nothing to do with the coronavirus itself. That's just an accidental pin.
0: I want to get your thoughts on a couple things, because I've just read articles uh, by you about them. And it has to do with something you just said about people very often buy things at the top, because they didn't know about the things until they got to the top. Then they find out about them in the paper, they decide they want to put their money in it, and then it turns out that's not the best time. How do people spot tops and bottoms, just in the market in general?
1: Well, you've got to look at these Graham dot indicators, book value and price earnings ratios and dividend yields, things of this nature. That's critically important. But to answer your question directly, it's all a matter of psychology. And this is Warren Buffett, who is an idiot savant. I mean, he's a total genius when it comes to money and investing, but everything else he says is garbage, as far as I'm concerned. But what he says is quite correct. You have to be brave when others are fearful and fearful when others are brave. Okay, now, people were excessively brave just two months ago. Uh, they thought that the bubble economy was going to double again. Uh, well, it broke. And I don't think it's going to be reinflated. So they're fearful now. But they still think, I'm in the newsletter business, okay? So I see what people are buying and what kind of advice they like. And people are still way too bullish. They're still looking for stocks to buy. They expect this is going to blow over. I don't think it will. I hope I'm dead wrong, Tom. Listen, if you're, a, if you're in the investment markets, you got to get used to being dead wrong a lot. Uh, I just try not to be too wrong for too long. But th- this is really, really serious. The public is still too bullish. I think this is going to go on for years. got to remember, when the bubble, uh, the famous bubble in 1929 broke, not nearly as serious a bubble as this one, not nearly. It was four years before the market reached its bottom in 1933. So this is, uh, this, this is going to be similar, I think.
0: A lot of times when I talk to you, the subject turns to parts of the world where there are opportunities. And you have been sometimes recommending parts of the world that are, shall we say, rather out of the way, that that would not be people's first choice to, to live in. And I wonder, since we've spoken last, the extent to which that's changed or are there parts of the world that you're still relatively bullish on compared to other parts?
1: Yeah, well, listen. For years, I've been suggesting to people that if they're young, they should go to Africa. If I was 30 and wanted to make some money, uh, I would definitely go to Africa, even today. And people say, that is insane. So yeah, you're right. I like to, um, perhaps it, 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 it's my basic psychological makeup. I'm a bit of a, an adventurer and a freebooter uh, down deep. But, uh, yeah, in fact, right now I'm talking to you from uh, a farm I own in Uruguay. Uh, I'm here not far from the beach, incidentally, but uh, I'm in the middle of a thousand acres, uh, surrounded by horses and cows and things like that. I wouldn't even know that this hysteria is going on in the rest of the world unless I read about it on the Internet. Well, where should you go? I, look, the U.S. is on a real slippery slope. The politicians in the U.S. are using this crisis. They're not going to let it go to waste, to um, quote that moron from Chicago, Rahm Emanuel. Um, You know, the guy who was Obama's butter boy until he became the mayor there. They're not going to let it go to waste. Then the new laws that they pass aren't going to be undone. So I think um, I feel pretty good right now about being in a quiet, backward, peaceful Little country in the middle of nowhere, as opposed to in the U.S., where I might be perceived as being an enemy of the state. So uh, yeah, I I still look around the world for things, but um, unfortunately, the whole world has been going in the wrong direction. Uh, I mean, democracy is the real virus that seems to have infected the world, where um, you know the common man actually thinks that the government works for him, and uh, they idealize these worthless politicians who, what do they do all day when they're in Congress or parliament, they pass more laws. And the more laws they pass, they gotta pass more taxes to enforce the laws. And so the trend in the world for the last hundred years has been negative, and always except for technology and science. So, um, yeah, but you've gotta be diversified politically you got to be diversified geographically. Must, must, must. It's critical because your main threat to your investments is not the markets, as dangerous as they are. It's your government that's your main threat. So you've got to be able to be diversified that way. Well, that's a
0: leads to a, another question I've been getting, which is sometimes I hear Peter Schiff or uh, even more, more so you say that uh, the United States may be as you say, if you're an ambitious young person, might not be the place for you. Maybe it's Africa, maybe it's someplace else for various reasons. But then the the question that arises is, whatever it is the U.S. is doing wrong in terms of government policy, as you're indicating now, the whole world's going down the wrong path. Why isn't the the United States the healthiest horse in the glue factory, at least?
1: Well, I think it is, uh, actually. Uh, For instance, in the case of Africa, if foreign aid and foreign investment were withdrawn from that continent, uh, there's a good chance, and I've been all over Africa, I'm reasonably familiar with it, but I think the place could slide back into the Stone Age for all kinds of reasons that I could name. The reason that I suggest oddball places like that is that uh, you personally don't want to be on a level playing field. You want to be on an on-level playing field where you have the high ground, and that's why you go to backward places like that. So that's my argument uh, in a nutshell for it. And sure, the standard of living in the U.S. is much better, and everything's better in the U.S. right now. But you know, within the context of what I said, yeah, I, I like to be in backward places. Well,
0: let me ask you this: what are you What are you doing differently today? as compared to three months ago? Anything? Um, What
1: am I doing differently? Mm
0: -hmm. Like, are you looking at at the world and saying, people are panic selling X, Y, and Z, and I know that there are buying opportunities here?
1: Oh, well, yes, of course. But my view, unless you're a trader, and I'm not a trader, and I don't think most people should try to be traders, what we're looking at is a situation where if you buy now, I think, You're trying to catch a falling safe. Not a good idea. It's better for it to wait until it smashes open on the sidewalk. And then you can pick and choose of um, what was in the safe. Don't try to catch it on the way down. And that's what we are now. The markets have only been going down now for a month or six weeks. This is way too early considering how serious the financial and economic and soon political and social consequences of this hysteria are going to be. This is, a, this is the biggest bubble in world history that's just broken, and they're not going to be able to reinflate it by creating trillions of worthless new currency units.
0: Do you think there are particular sectors that will, I mean, well, obviously some sectors will weather it better than others, but do you have a sense of what those might be?
1: well, as I said earlier, the only thing that's really, really cheap in the world right now are commodities. I don't think there's a single commodity. Well, I'm sure there is. I can't think of it right now, where the producers are making money. Farmers are losing money at current prices. Um, cattle, hogs, people that are making these things are all losing money everywhere in the world. Uh, you, copper miners uh, can't make money. At current prices, the only commodity that is where the producers can make money is gold because people are piling into gold on a retail level. Um, Gold miners are going to be coining money, and fund managers who don't own and don't like and don't understand gold stocks are going to be buying them too. So, listen, if we talk again in six months or a year, I expect to have made a lot of money on gold stocks. If I don't, I'm going to be disappointed and poor. But this is one of those times that comes up once or twice in a decade when you ought to buy gold stocks. Most of the time, it's a terrible, crappy business. Now is the time to buy gold stocks. All right, a couple more things. What do you, how do you feel about
0: Eastern Europe?
1: Uh, I like Eastern Europe, actually. Certainly as an alternative to Western Europe. Eastern Europe is not burdened by the kind of debt the West is. It's not burdened by the kind of welfare systems the West is. It has much lower costs. Uh, The bad habits of the Soviet era have been largely washed away. Actually, surprisingly, these people have kind of learned a lesson from it, which is the opposite of what's happened in the West. So, in fact, some of the cheapest and best stocks in the world can be found in Russia and Ukraine right now. Things like um, Gazprom, for instance. All, all kinds of interesting stocks there. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Eastern Europe at this point. And I don't think Putin, for all of the problems that he has, I mean, he is a politician. He's, um, he, he's not the bete Noir. He's not the devil incarnate that uh, the Western media would have you believe.
0: How about Argentina, where you've been living for a while? What can you tell us about what's been going on there, and are you still satisfied there?
1: Well, look, if you look at Argentina, I'd say it's about one cycle ahead of the U.S. Um, Since Perón, starting in the early 50s, really, uh, this place has been going down and down and down from one of the most prosperous and richest countries in the world before World War I. To, it's still a wonderful place to live. It's very inexpensive. It's very pleasant. I like it a lot. But their last president, Mauricio Macri, was actually a decent human being, just too weak. He did too little, too late, free market-oriented business kind of guy. And now what do these idiotic Argentine voters do? They reelected elected Cristina Kirchner Fernandez with another Fernandez who's the actual president. And everything they're doing is not only the wrong thing, but the exact opposite of the right thing. So Argentina is just in a world of trouble. Uh, it's, it's too bad because um, I really like the country. So a problem. But listen, if, um, if you're a bottom fisher, you can buy... You can buy a million acres of uh, worthless land in Argentina for about a million bucks. That's pretty cheap.
0: Looking back on your book, Crisis Investing, all the way back in 1979, if you had to do that again, if you were to update that, is
1: there anything you'd change about it? Um, no. That book was absolutely, if if you don't mind my blowing my own horn, it it was spot on, um, it uh, oddly enough, it didn't become the a number one bestseller until like the late late nineteen eighty, early eighty one. By which time, gold had already run up, and it, you know this is the way it is in the publishing business. Uh, actually, as a book, uh, I like my strategic investing and crisis investing for the nineties even more. But no, I think I was. I think I was pretty well right in that book. I'll have to read it over again. And uh, now in a new unit of time, I can be objective about it. But uh, I'm pretty happy with it still. And and, and I'm still happy with my first book, uh, The International Man, which was a guidebook to making the most of your personal freedom and financial opportunity around the world. I wrote that book in 1977. That seems like the dark ages now. It was so long ago. You know, I'm just, your the, your whole, I don't know, your whole approach
0: to the world, your your personality, there's there's nobody quite like Doug Casey. And I guess I want to know, I, I don't go for these minds, you know, people sell mindset courses, you know, like $497, you'll have a better mindset. And I think if, if I had to pay $497 to improve my mindset, I would feel pretty bad about my mindset. <laughs> but you, you clearly- Look at the world differently. there's something about you and and the kinds of risks you're willing to take. What do you think is the fundamental difference between Doug Casey and the guy on the street?
1: Mm. Well, look, I think the situation is hopeless on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's not really serious. Uh, most of the time uh, that I, I mean I read the paper and this type of thing. I have to in the financial business but Most of my time, I listen to uh, lectures and I take courses on science. I just finished one on astrophysics, for instance. Um, And and I'm doing one now on organic chemistry. And this is the kind of stuff that's important and really interests me. Uh, I'm trying to put things in cosmic perspective. Uh, The fact that, do you know that science, And of course, for all I know, for all anybody knows, since I'm a solipsist, Tom, I think that um, most of reality, for all I know, for all any of us know, could be a, we could be living in the Matrix. it could be a creation of our own minds. So the universe is supposed to be about 13.5 billion years old. Okay, seems pretty old. But uh, in another 2 billion years, the Earth is going to have been subsumed by the sun, and it's all over uh, in this solar system, but the universe itself is going to go on for trillions of trillions not trillions and trillions but trillions of trillions years more so we're actually just at the beginning of the universe and but then again, maybe there are thousands or an infinite number of other universes. I mean, I'm trying to keep things in perspective, and perhaps that's a little bit too big picture to be of any value to even say. But I think it's interesting to put the thought out there.
0: How do people follow you? I mean, I know internationalman.com is a prime source of Doug Casey material. Is that where they should go?
1: Yeah, go to internationalman.com. And I would urge people to pick up a copy of um, the first and second uh, novels in my seven novel series uh, reforming unjustly besmirched occupations. First is speculator, second is drug lord. Don't fall behind because in July, assassin will be out where our hero is going to um reform the uh, occupation of um political assassin where we explore the morality and the history and the techniques of it uh, before he ramps it up further and becomes a terrorist in the next novel after that and a warlord, and the next novel after that. And then it gets really uh, uh, really weird. Uh, where I show that uh, a terrorist and a warlord can be a good things, too. So that's Ryan. That's where the, That's where people should go. They're on Amazon. Or <clears throat> highgroundbooks.com. Either one.
0: Well, I will link to those uh, on our show notes page for today. Tomwoods.com slash 1623 for episode 1623. I'll have International Man, and I'll have the books linked there. So If you want plenty of Doug Casey material, that is the place to go, tomwoods.com slash 1623. Well, I'm glad to hear from you. Glad you're hanging in there, doing well, and sharing some wisdom with the folks out here. Uh, We appreciate it very much, Doug. Thanks.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Tom. And um, it'll be fascinating if we touch base again in six months or or even a year to see how the world has evolved. I hope I'm dead wrong about my gloomy predictions, but we'll see. I just hope
0: I can resume. I've been traveling a lot. I haven't been traveling to some of the exotic locations where you've been, but I've been traveling a lot more than I have in the rest of my life. I probably, probably went to 16 places uh, like that involved flying, not for business, just for pleasure in mm. 2019. And that's now been shut down. Because I mean, yeah, I could fly if I wanted to, but there's nothing to do once I get there. So what's the point? So i I just want that to I just want to be able to live again. You know, this is choking me. I I get all these people saying, "Oh, well, my life is pretty much I work and I go home anyway, so it's no big change for me." All right, speak for yourself. (laughs) You know, some
1: of us want to get out there and do
0: things, and it's just horrifying.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're only um, granted, at least in this lifetime. I don't know if there are others. Roughly. 70 to 80 years. And it, it's a shame to see them wasted the way they're currently being. Every month is precious.
0: So, meanwhile, uh, I'll just tell you, projects around the house are getting done. This, this place is going to be a palace by the time I emerge. <laughs> <laughs> I can at least say that. All right. Thanks again, Doug. We'll talk to you again in six months. How about that?
1: I look forward to it, Tom. Thank you very much. All right, folks. Now, as
0: I said, obviously our minds are very much on the virus. But uh, we, to some extent, we got to go on with our lives too. So I'm trying to balance that out in how I'm continuing to do the Tom Wood Show at a time like this, particularly because, I don't know, in the future when people go back and listen to these episodes, they're not all they're not going to want 100 episodes on the virus. So I do want to have an eye to the future as well. So tomorrow, we're going to take a break from this kind of coverage and talk about the uh, topic of Latin American history. Because as I've said, try reading Latin American history or taking a course in Latin American history and keeping your sanity. It's all Marxists teaching it. It's unbelievable, this field. So I've got a great way to get around that, and that is our secret weapon, Deidre Berzer, who created a course for me on that subject over at libertyclassroom.com, and we're gonna be talking about that topic tomorrow. So make sure you subscribe, tomwoods.com slash apple, so you get all the Tom Woods Show episodes. And uh, what's my last uh, bit of advice for you? I'm telling you, given the response to this virus where suddenly everybody is willing to more or less go along with a good chunk of the Bernie Sanders AOC sort of platform, now's a good time to refresh yourself on all the smash them to smithereens arguments against these kinds of things. So go pick up my free ebook, AOC is Wrong, over at AOCiswrong.com, and I'll see you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian
1: in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time.
0: Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at Podsworth.com.